We've been gearing up for our Great Commission offering, our year-end offering that goes to the Great Commission Fund. And I want to give you the grand total amount that we had come in. Thanks to your generosity, thanks to your passion, thanks to your desire to see the good news of Jesus spread throughout the world. But before I do that, I want to celebrate that um, uh, some other ways that our giving has been used. Um, we've been talking so much about that fund that goes globally to support missionaries and to bring relief aid to places that have been wrecked by persecution or natural disasters. But we want to make sure that we're not overlooking people in our own community, whether it's in our local church community or neighborhoods who are struggling financially. So we asked our, our leaders to let us know if there's any families that you're aware of who are struggling financially, who might have trouble uh, providing Christmas for their, for their children uh, or just getting through the winter. And so five different families were um, nominated, so to speak, and we were able to, because of uh, an outreach budget that had not been fully used, we were able to bless each of those families with $500, thanks to your generosity. I want to read a couple notes from those. I'm not going to give uh, the names of them, um, but here's one. Thank you so much for this generous gift. I thought maybe it would be $100 for them. I actually cried tears of joy. They have already been served an eviction notice. So this may come in very handy at the time of their... So this, is, this, this was given to somebody for their family, for their brother and, 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 and his children. This may come in very handy at the time of their actual eviction. God bless you and thank you for being instrumental in having this happen. Merry Christmas. Again, that's because of your generosity. Here's another one. Good morning. I woke up today thinking, what a blessing you are to my family. I had no clue how I was going to make Christmas happen for the kids, being it as I haven't had an income since September because of the pandemic and not being able to work because of the kids doing virtual school. I just want you to know that my family and I are forever grateful to have you guys around. Again, because of your generosity. One more, I feel so blessed that I am numb. <laughs> I just want to thank True Life for giving us this gift card to help buy gifts for Christmas. It means a lot to me, and I can't thank you and the church enough. It means so much. It really means a lot. So again, again, thank you guys for your generosity. Thank you for giving to the cause of Christ and what God is doing through True Life Church. So that's locally. Now, the grand total that came in for the Great Commission Fund that we've been pushing, pushing, pushing all month long is, are you guys ready? $63,544. So we were praying for 30 grand over double, over double what we were praying for. So that is pretty, pretty awesome, pretty miraculous, especially given the year this has been. So uh, praise God for that. And um, again, just thank you so much. Next week, we're going to have a video that we show, uh, we're going to show uh, highlighting some of the missionaries that we're actually specifically focused on who are in Israel. You'll get to see them and their family, and they'll just give an update. Um, so that'll be next week. All right, so if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. We're actually going to be bouncing around quite a bit today. 
You might have trouble following along. If you're watching online, uh, on our online platform, there's a Bible app that you can use. Do your best to follow along. I want to make sure you're seeing what I'm pointing out. How many people, anybody in here play high school football? Okay, a few of you guys. Okay. I played high school football as a fullback. And by my senior year, there was two things that I came to expect in every game. First thing was to gain yards and score touchdowns. Now, doesn't mean I scored touchdowns in every game, but I had to go out on the field expecting to score touchdowns. You don't, you don't become a running back and then get on the field expecting not to score. You've got to expect to score. Uh, over the course of a season, I expected to score touchdowns, even if any one particular game, there was no touchdowns. So that was one thing I expected, touchdowns. The other thing I expected when I got out on the field as a fullback was to get hurt. In every game, I expected to get bruised, banged up, sometimes even bloodied. You can't be a running back, go out on the field, and not expect to get hurt. Otherwise, you're going to be pretty surprised because people are coming at you. So two things I expected, touchdowns and bruises in every game. Likewise, followers of Jesus are called to expect two things at the same time because of the time in which we live between two advents. To gain yards for God's kingdom in one way, and then also to face persecution, hardships, and suffering on the other side of the coin. We're in this uh, part two of this series between two advents. It's a three-week series. We're going to finish up next week. We're talking about what it means to live between the time of Jesus' first coming, his, his first arrival. Advent means arrival, the coming, his, his life, death, resurrection, where he paid for new resurrection life in full for us to experience we get his spirit, like Mandy was talking about earlier, pour it out on us, filling us with a new power and a new th authority to go advance his kingdom, to go gain yards for his kingdom, to go score touchdowns, if you will, for his kingdom. But because we also live in the time before his second coming, his second arrival, where he promises to usher his kingdom in full, and eradicate the presence of evil and sin and death completely, because that time has not yet come, and there is evil and, and sickness and death and, 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 and suffering around us, we are to expect to get tackled. We, we are to expect to have uh, things coming at us as we seek to gain yardage for his kingdom. So we're talking in this series about what it means to embrace both at the same time time. He's given us power to embrace both. Gaining yardage, but also facing some tackles. Last week, we talked about contentment, what it means to have worldly, content, be content with the worldly things around us, but also have a holy discontentment in our souls, wanting more of Jesus's kingdom to come. Next week, we're going to talk about what it means to have new power over old sin patterns as we start a new year. And today, what I want to talk about, the title of today is Power to Resist Sickness and Safety. 
power to resist sickness and safety. Living as followers of Jesus between two advents means we are called to do battle with both sickness and also with safety. Now that might sound strange to some of you guys. We are, in other words, uh, not to passively accept either sickness on one hand, nor are we to passively drift into embracing a life of safety. Again, I know that sounds contradictory because you're like, wait a second, to, to not be sick is safe and to want a safe life means we're not sick. How, how can you embrace both at the same time? Well, again, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4 if you haven't already. This is a scene where the disciples are praying. They're gathered there and they're praying. I want, I want to show you what they're praying for, but before I do, let me tell you why they're praying, what, what has just transpired. Peter and John had just healed a guy, a guy who had been lame since birth. They healed him. When they healed this guy, the crowds were amazed, and Peter says, hey, this guy was healed through the power of Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified, and then came back to life. That's whose power just healed this guy. Peter and John get arrested, threatened, then they're released. They gather together with a larger group of disciples, and they pray. I want to show you the end of their prayer in verse 29 and show you what they prayed for. They say, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So what do they pray for? Two things they, they pray for here. Boldness and healing miracles. You see that? Boldness and healing miracles. Now, why boldness? Because persecution has started. There's threats coming upon them. Peter and John have just been arrested. It ain't going to stop. Well, then you might ask, well, why don't they just pray for it to stop? Why don't they just pray for the laws to change? And so that it's safer for everybody to speak about Jesus. Well, because they know the promises of Jesus, which is that there's going to be persecution. And I'm going to show you that in a moment. They know to expect threats and persecution to come upon them. And then why healing miracles? Well, likewise, they know the words of their Savior who promised healing miracles. To expect it is something that they need to live with, embrace this expectation of healing miracles. So True Life Church, this sermon, by the end, my hope is that we will either be reminded of or for the first time have our eyes opened to the fact that we are called to embrace the promise of healing miracles as well as persecution. We are called to embrace the promise of having authority over sickness and disease, a kind of authority and power that the rest of the world does not have. But we're also called to embrace the promise of suffering persecution, a kind of suffering that the rest of the world will not suffer. Are we willing to pray for boldness to face that persecution and for that power to heal? 
I'm going to talk next month in a vision series about some of the practicalities of being a healing community, a community that embraces God's healing power, some of the practicals. Uh, but today, my hope is simply to stir us to embrace these two promises. Not just to say, yes, God can heal, but to embrace the promise. No, no, he wants to heal, and he wants to heal through human agents, right? His players on his team, right? Just like he wants us to feed the needy, the hungry, you know, clothe the naked. He, he wants to do that through his people. Same thing with healing miracles. He often wants to use human agents to do that. And he also wants us to be willing to face persecution in order, in order to get the good news of his kingdom out there. Are we willing to embrace both? Because of Jesus' first com coming, we have authority to do battle with sickness and disease. Because he has not yet returned, we must resist the temptation to make safety our highest priority. We are not called to make safety our highest priority. So, let's pray, and then I'm going to jump into why we should expect this. I'm going to show you some scriptures. We're going to meander a little bit through God's word. Uh, you can try to follow along as best you can. And then we're going to end today by praying for some folks. If you need healing, we're going to pray for you. If you want just a fresh confidence that God wants to do miracles through you, pray for you for that. If you want more boldness to share this good news of Jesus the treasure that Jesus is with your family and your coworkers, and stop being afraid so much, we're going to pray for you for that. Because God's power through his spirit is available, as Mandy was sharing earlier. Now listen, I'm going to say this up front. Um, if you're not healed due of a sickness, that does not mean it's because of a lack of faith. It does not mean because it's because of a lack of obedience necessarily. It does not mean it's, something's off with your relationship with Jesus necessarily. Likewise, if you're not currently getting persecuted for your faith, it doesn't mean that there's a lack of faith or a lack of obedience for your faith necessarily. However, it could be. It could be because you're not embracing these promises. It could be because you're not being obedient in some way. It could be, and it, we should at least be asking the question, if we're not seeing God's power in our lives through either healing miracles or boldness to face persecution, we should at least be asking the question, hmm, how come? How come? Doesn't necessarily mean it's a lack of obedience or faith, but we should at least be willing to ask the question. Amen? Okay, so Lord Jesus, would you speak to us today? about what it means to live as your followers between these two advents, what it means to have been recruited to play on your team. And may we be a people who expects to gain yardage for your kingdom, not just sit on the bench. May we be a people who expects miraculous touchdowns to show up in our lives. But may we also not be surprised by the hits that we're going to take, the bruises, 
the blood even. It's in your name I pray. Amen. All right, so do the best you can to follow, follow with me. It might be tough. God's son, Jesus, steps into flesh, puts on humanity, right? That's what we celebrate at Advent. One of the primary aspects of his ministry was healing. We see this in multiple scriptures. We're going to roll through a few. Matthew 4.23 says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Matthew 8.13 says, Jesus said to a centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. Luke 4.40, at sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Healing was a big aspect of his ministry. John 14.12, I tell you the truth. Well, let me back up for a moment. Let me stop there. This is Jesus' ministry. A lot of, a lot of folk times, folks have the objection that that was just Jesus proving that he was the son of God. These things are not meant to continue. That was just Jesus proving that he was the Son of God. And that's true. It was partly to prove that he was God in flesh, that he was who he said he was. But then he also said things to his followers. Let's look at that now. John 14, 12. He says to his disciples, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me, so not just you guys, but anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing doing, he will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Again, Mandy references earlier, I'm going to the Father and so that you can have my spirit, and then you guys are going to do some of the things that I've been doing, even greater things. Now, he doesn't explicitly talk about healing in this passage, and that's, I'll, I'll admit that, but if healing, as we just saw, is a big part of what he had been doing, I think it's safe to, impl- to, 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 to presume that healing is part of what will follow Jesus' disciples, his, his followers. In Acts 1.8, right before he ascends to heaven, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Martus is the word. In Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth, you will be my witnesses. You will image me. You will, you will testify about me and you will image, as my image bearers, you will, you, will, you will image me. You will mirror me, right? And you need power to do that because I want to show up in miraculous ways in your life. Now, nobody would say, by the way, that, you know what, feeding the hungry, that was just for that time, the Bible time. We don't, we're not called to do that anymore. Clothing the naked, just for the Bible time. We're not supposed to do that anymore. And likewise, we shouldn't say, well, those healing things, that was just for the Bible time. No. What he's been doing, we should expect to be doing through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not our own strength, not our own willpower, not our own talents, but the Holy Spirit. He wants to show that he's real through us, you and me. And this is, by the way, not to discount doctors or, or the common grace of medicine and scientific discoveries, finding out that this plant heals this thing and taking herbal supplements. This is not to discount any of that. That's God's common grace for all mankind. In fact, if you're a healthcare worker in here today, can you put your hand up? I mean, right now, the 
pandemic. Tom, who else? I can't see everybody. Who else is a healthcare worker? Stand, could you guys stand up if you're a healthcare worker? I don't mean to embarrass you, but good golly. All right, give it up for these guys. God heals through our healthcare workers. He heals through, through the common grace of medicine, and we praise God for that. So don't, don't, don't think that supernatural healing is an excuse not to go to doctors and use wisdom. Paul, in, in one place, says to Timothy, I actually was reading that this morning in my own personal kind of devotional time. He says to Timothy, because he had some stomach problems, drink a little wine. It was a fermented beverage. He knew fermented foods can help your stomach, right? Use some wisdom. However, that said, Christians, followers of Jesus, are called to embrace a special kind of healing in addition to the common grace of medicine, a special kind of healing, supernatural healing, because we follow Jesus, have his spirit living in us, and because Jesus wants us to show that his kingdom has arrived. We live between two advents. The kingdom has broken in in the first advent. It will be fully ushered in in the second. And healing is one sign that the kingdom is here. Let me show you one more passage. This is in um, Luke 10, where Jesus is sending out the 72. So it's not just the 12, it's 72. And he says to them, Heal the sick in the towns, he's talking about, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. Heal the sick and say to them, hey, the kingdom of God's here. There's a king, he's arrived, the promised Messiah is here, his kingdom is breaking in, you're going to want to trust in him. You're going to want to bow your knee to him. Here's a sign that it's here, healing of your broken body. It's a sign of the kingdom. Now, some of you might be thinking the obvious, but not everybody's healed. I've prayed for some people that didn't get healed. I've prayed for people who had great faith that they would be healed, and they weren't healed. In fact, Miguel Golfin's father recently passed away of cancer. He had such faith that he was going to be healed. Prayed with him quite a few times. He would call up. I know Pastor Jeff prayed with him numerous times. He's Pastor, pray for me. And we would declare God's healing power together. He really firmly had this faith that Jesus is a healer, and he passed. What do you make of that? I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. Just like uh, some games when I played in football, I didn't score touchdowns. But one thing I didn't do was go, you know what? Maybe I'm not meant to score touchdowns anymore. You just go, ah, just didn't happen this game, but that doesn't mean over the course of a season, I still expected to see touchdowns. And over the course of time, you and I as followers of Jesus should expect miraculous healings to take place. It ain't going to be a 100% perfect batting average. It ain't going to be something that we can always control, but it's something we should expect God to do in and through us as communities. Because we live in the time between two advents where... Yeah, we gain yardage, and sometimes you lose a few yardage here and there, right? Quarterback gets sacked, but that doesn't mean we go, well, I guess we're not supposed to win. No, Jesus has scored the winning touchdown. Our team's going to win in the end. He's called us to advance. Uh, thinking about D-Day, I used that example last week. There were casualties. That didn't mean uh, the Allied forces said, well, 
I guess we're not meant to beat the Nazis. No, they got the foothold into Western Europe and they said, we're taking Hitler out. There's going to be battles that are unpredictable along the way, but we're taking him out. Advance. And likewise, you and I should go, you know what? Jesus promises, let's keep going. Not everything's going to play out the way we hope it does, but we're going to keep going, expecting and embracing God's healing power to show up in and through us. That's the promise of healing miracles. Now, the other side, the promise of persecution. Let's rattle off a few of these. John 15, Jesus said, John 15, 20. He says to his disciples, remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will what? Persecute you also. John 16, starting verse 1. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They're going to put you out of the synagogue. They're going to ostracize you, in other words. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they're offering a service to God. It's actually going to be people who believe in God who are going to kill you, he's saying. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. They think they do, but they don't. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. When it, when it happens, I want you to remember, I, I gave you this warning. This isn't something that's unexpected. This isn't, like when it happens, God's up, not up in heaven going, oh my goodness, they're trying to tackle my players. He's like, no, no, that's going to happen. They're going to come at you. They're going to come at you. They're going to try to tackle you. They're going to try to take you down. Some of you are going to even be killed. Don't be surprised. I don't want you running off the field going, hey, coach, they're trying to tackle me. I can't believe it. Don't be surprised. In fact, Peter will say that in a few moments. We'll look at that. Um, Paul says to Timothy, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Paul says this to Timothy, right? And he says all who desire to live. So it wasn't just for Jesus' first disciples. We might think that. Just like we think of healing as being only for the Bible days, sometimes we think of persecution only being for that time. Paul says to Timothy, no, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ, they're going to suffer persecution. This is a, this is a promise. We, we like to think about the promises of, of God and we write them. I don't really see this promise on coffee mugs. But we should. We should so that we're not surprised when it happens. Peter says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. Don't be surprised. Don't come running off the field saying, I can't believe it. They're trying to tackle me. No, that's going to happen. That's going to happen. There's a very real Satan, and he incites and riles up other individuals to come against us. Don't be surprised by that. Don't go, I can't believe it. They're shooting at us. Of course they are. Now, very important to note that this, 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 this promise of 
of suffering here, this, this fiery trial, this is specifically about persecution. So this is not referring to this kind of suffering that everybody goes through. Like everybody's car breaks down, right? It's not what this is talking about. This is talking about a kind of persecution, a kind of suffering that comes upon us precisely because we follow Jesus. A peculiar kind of suffering that is promised for Jesus' followers. So, two promises, persecution and miracles. Two things that we should embrace as his people. Persecution and miracles. Can we do them both? Can we embrace them both? We can't pick one and discount the other. We've got to embrace them both. Now, remember where we started. Remember Acts chapter 4, the disciples, they pray, boldness and power to heal. Remember that from the beginning? I want to circle back to that, and I want to show you two scenes, one that happened right before they prayed, one that happened right after they prayed, and then we are going to just spend some time praying for some folks. So first of all, before that happened, the, 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 whole, the whole reason they ended up praying, the whole reason Peter and John were arrested is because they healed a man. I want to show you that scene. So that's in Acts chapter 3. Follow along here. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. So he was lame from, from birth, and he was put there every day. So he was a staple, right? He, like, people knew this guy. Right, this was, this was Eddie, right? Hey, Eddie, look. You know, this was, he grew up with him, being there. Verse 3, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Tells the guy to walk. Doesn't even pray for him to walk. He just says, walk. Taking him by that right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Now, what I find interesting about this is that this guy who had been lame from birth had yet to be healed. Now, God could have healed him, but God chose to heal this guy on this day through human agents, Peter and John, as Peter and John discerned that, oh, God wants to do something here, right? They looked at him. Peter said, look at us. I believe there was a moment there where Peter knew God wants to do something in this man's life today. It's likely that Peter and John walked past this guy numerous times already. It's, it's likely that Jesus walked past this guy in the past. For some reason, this guy was not yet healed until this moment where God highlighted for Peter and John this man, this moment, this miracle, and Peter leaned into it, knew that he had been given authority by Jesus through his spirit, and said, hey man, Time to walk, and he grabbed the guy, and he kind of pulls him up, and then the guy's 
feet and ankle become strong as he's getting pulled up. They stepped into that authority. They didn't just say, well, God, if you want to heal, I guess maybe if it's your will, we'll just kind of sit back and kind of see. They're like, no, something's up here. Dude, get up. And the guy's feet and ankles became strong. There was a couple moments uh, just in the last couple months where uh, God highlighted something for me. I want to just share it with you. Uh, two months ago, I was at a worship conference. Our collection of churches had this a- annual district conference, and um, I-, I-, I went there. It was a two-day thing, and the- it was Monday night and Tuesday, and I remember Monday night, I felt like crap. Like, I just, I, before even going there, I remember texting my wife from the church office going, I don't think I'm going to make it through. You know, like, I'm, I am just dragging. I felt this heavy fatigue. I almost felt like I was drugged, and like somebody put something in my drink. I don't know what was going on. But I go to the worship conference. I'm listening. At the final songs are playing. I wasn't even standing singing. I was sitting down singing. I didn't have the strength to stand. So I'm looking at the clock. I'm going, as soon as this is over, I'm bolting home. I'm not going to stick around and say goodbye to everybody. I'm getting out. I'm making a beeline for my car. Worship song ends, and a pastor gets up, and he says, hey, before everybody leaves, and I'm thinking, oh, dear Lord, come on. And he says, if you need a touch from God or you need prayer, just put your hand up. And I, in my mind, I was like, I don't even have time for this. I, I just need to get home and go to sleep. So I'm, 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 I, like, I'm literally, like, I'm not asking for prayer. I just need to go home and go to sleep. But I saw out of the corner of my eye another pastor who had been telling me earlier that he had stomach issues. And all of a sudden, what welled up in me was this, this desire to pray for him. So I felt really crappy on one hand, but I felt like God was saying, go, go pray for him. Like God just like put a, a, excuse me, a spotlight on this guy standing over here. So I was like, all right. I go over to him. I was like, dude, I just want to pray for your stomach. So I put my hand on his stomach, and we'll talk next month about the laying hands and what that's about. But just put my hand on his stomach, and I pray, pray for him. Pray for healing for him. As I'm praying for him, I feel this energy rushing through my body, right? I pray for him. I didn't even stick around and have small talk with him. I was like, all right, peace. I left, get in my car, but I felt this energy. Like, like I had been dragging, and all of a sudden, I felt like super energized. And I thought maybe it was just adrenaline from praying for him. I get home. I couldn't sleep. Now, I've shared sleep problems. I never have trouble falling asleep. I always wake up in the middle of the night for a few hours. I never have trouble falling asleep. This particular night, I couldn't fall asleep. I was like, this is weird. I was just up for hours. And uh, the next day, I go back to the conference, and I see this guy. And you know what he says to me? He says, dude, I don't know what happened last night, but I had this surge of energy rushing through my body all night long. I couldn't even sleep. I don't know what that was. I was like, get out of here. I was like, dude, I felt that too. Anyway. Something happened there. It wasn't what I prayed for. I prayed for his stomach. Not for us both to have this surge of power. But God did something there. Right? God highlighted this moment for me to step into. And he did this. He just made his presence tangible to us in, in, in a special way that night. Where we were reminded God is real. God's power is real. It doesn't always play out exactly the way we ask it to, but it played out that, that evening, and it was awesome. And, 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 and he felt great. Like, he wasn't like, man, I couldn't sleep, and so I'm really dragging. He was, like, so excited. He was like, dude, I've never experienced anything like that. 
Second example I'll give you. Uh, this was just a couple weeks ago. Uh, Saturday, uh, Saturday night, I was not feeling well. I, was, I felt like I was coming down with something. Um, like, like it was a Saturday night, you know, heading into Sunday, and I, and I felt like I was coming down with something, and I was like, man, I do not feel well. And um, I was putting my two older kids to bed. We were watching The Wonder Years. It was part of our b- bedtime routine. And uh, Wonder Years was over, and I had one of them on each side of me, at, at the older ones. They had both, they'd both been baptized. They both have professed faith in Christ. And, and so I was like, girls, I need to ask you to do something. Can you pray for Daddy? I'm not feeling good, and we got service tomorrow. And, um, and oftentimes when I ask them to pray, they're like, nah. <laughs> but today, they could tell that I was struggling, so they both did. They both prayed for me, and, um, and God, you know, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the gift of, one of the gifts being the gift of faith. You know, like we're all called to have faith, but there's this gift of faith where we get, where we just know God's going to answer this prayer. And it only happened a handful of times in my life where I knew God's going to answer this prayer. Well, I was given the gift of faith in that moment where I knew God's going to answer this prayer of my, from my girls. Like he's going he's to heal me. I don't know, like, it, like I just knew it. And, and that night I slept pretty bad. So you know how when you're not feeling good and you sleep bad, you're like, man, I, I need a good night's sleep. I, didn't, I was just like, I'm waking up healed. I don't, it, doesn't matter. it doesn't matter if I don't sleep another wink tonight. I'm waking up healed. And sure enough, I did. Because God highlighted that moment for me. So here's why I share those two examples. I'm hoping that today, just like that lame man that day, just like that, 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 that moment at the worship conference, I'm hoping that today is a moment like that for some of you guys, where you'll experience God's healing power in a tangible way. Not just where somebody asks and prays for healing, and it, it, you know, it, it happens in three months from now. I mean, praise God if that happens too. But my hope is that there's a moment today where you experience his power in a way that you're reminded, wow, his spirit's actually real. God is still with us. Emmanuel is still with us through his spirit. And he shows up in a tangible way today. Now, the other scene... I want to show you. This happened after the disciples prayed. What do they pray for? Boldness, right? Boldness to keep spreading the word of Jesus. Well, guess what they did? They kept spreading the word of Jesus because God gave them boldness to. Peter and John get themselves arrested again. I want to show you Acts chapter 5. Flip over, verse 40. The leaders, they're going to let them go. But this time they're going to flog them. Check it out. They called in the apostles and had them flogged, scourged, whipped, skinned off their backs. Then they ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let him go. Flogging was no small deal. There was people who died of flogging because of blood loss and shock. So these guys are flogged for preaching about Jesus. What's their response? Coach, they're shooting at us. They're trying to tackle us. We better stop this. No. Look at their response in verse 41. The apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to teach and preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one. They kept preaching because God kept giving them power 
that emboldened them to preach and face persecution. In fact, that power had them rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer disgrace. They didn't rejoice despite suffering disgrace. They rejoiced that God counted them worthy to suffer disgrace. That's hard to wrap our heads around, isn't it? We pray for legislation to change so we don't have to be bold. They showed boldness, they suffered for it, and then they praised God that they were counted worthy to suffer disgrace. They were like, we got to suffer with Jesus. That's amazing. We got to be associated with him through suffering. And then they continued to preach and to teach. One more football analogy, if you don't mind. Senior year, I got suspended for something. You don't need to know why. But I missed three games. I had to sit out three games. Me and a few other players. You know what was the hardest part about sitting out three games? I don't remember which games we won, which games we lost. The hardest part about that was getting back on the bus and being in the locker room and having a clean uniform. No grass stains, no sweat, no blood, no mud. Having a clean uniform. Yes, if we won the game, I got to celebrate with my players, but I could not enter into that celebration in the same way because I didn't suffer with them. I wasn't in the thick of it with my boys like I normally had been. And there was something about that that there was a disconnect. And I think that's what Peter and John were, were, were celebrating here. We got to be associated with Jesus. We were in the thick of it with Jesus, suffering uh, what he had suffered. Because I think there's going to be something about when Jesus' team is revealed to be the, the winning team, which it will be, right? When he returns and he ushers in his kingdom, I think there's going to be something about the bruises and the grass stains and the mud and the blood and, and, the, and the persecution that we endure that's going to make that glory all that much more um, wonderful, right? We're going to rejoice in that in a special way because of the suffering that we got to go through here with Jesus. We're given the privilege of playing and suffering and getting tackled for Jesus. And we should see it that way. We should think about it long term. 200 years from now, I'm going to be glad that I'm getting knocked around right now for my king. I'm going to be glad that I got to suffer with him. I don't want to show up and face Jesus, in other words, with a clean uniform, going, well, I played it pretty safe, Jesus. I sat in the corner, and I just prayed for legislation to change so that it'd be easier to be Christians here, and then I watched the news, waiting for it to happen. No, I took risks. I put myself out there. I got kicked out of a family party one time. I had my coworkers start slandering me, and I still love them back. I still serve them back. I invited my neighbors over, and I looked a little weird doing so because nobody invites their neighbors over anymore. 
I think many Christians are not experiencing the tangible joy of, of God's presence because we're playing it safe. Like, 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 I, like I, think, I think even the miracles, these healing miracles, may not show up as much because we do play it safe. You know, there's parts of the world where there's more healing miracles. There's also uh, tends to be more persecution, a, a greater dependency on God, a greater desire to, yeah, we have to step out of the boat here. I, th- I think they kind of go hand in hand. In, in, in other words, if we play it safe, I think we're more likely to feel distant from God. Right? And you hear a lot of folks in church circles kind of talking about, oh, I don't feel God's presence and I don't feel close to him. And I think it's, it's, it's often because, I'm not saying always, please hear me, I think it's often because we're, we're just playing it safe. We're trying to keep our uniforms clean. And, and God said, yeah, I'm going to be with you as you follow me. But what did following him look like? It meant you pick up your cross to follow me. Picking up your cross to follow me means you're saying goodbye to your old life. I'm saying goodbye to safety, to follow him. I'm going to risk my money, my reputation, my American dreams, even my very life in order to follow you as my king and gain yards for your kingdom and live for your glory. He wants us to embrace this time between two advents by taking authority over both sickness and safety. May we be a people who believe that his power is actually real and will show up in healing miracles and also in giving us the boldness to face persecution. I'm going to call the band up, and I'm going to call Pastor Rigo up. As we end, we're just going to have a few moments where we can pray for some folks, and Pastor Rigo will give us, give us those instructions. Before we begin, we're going we're gonna to minister to the Lord. You know, I'm reminded, Pastor Chris, when you were speaking of that, when Peter and John prayed for that lame man, he was healed, and they were threatened. They went to their, they went to their um, fellow believers. In Acts 4.24, it says, When they heard the report of Peter and John, what happened? All the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. So today, this morning, and those watching at home, we're going to lift our voices together in prayer. So I'm going to invite you, if you can please stand with a heart and a posture of receiving from God. You know, Jesus said that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He, the Holy Spirit is here. And if you're a believer in Christ Jesus, he dwells in you, but he also wants to be upon you for service. He wants to give you boldness to be an effective witness to your family and to your friends and not be afraid and to suffer the beauty of persecution. How awesome it is that we get to share in the sufferings of Jesus. Just as he was persecuted, we are persecuted for the sake of the gospel. And he gives you strength and boldness and grace to endure. So I'm going to invite, if, um, if, if Scott, Scott, can you please come, you and your wife, if you're able. Um, I want to encourage you to come down to pray with us if you need prayer for healing. Or you just want a fresh, fresh touch from God. You want boldness. 
You want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Even those watching at home, you know, in your living rooms, the Holy Spirit is there. He wants to minister His grace and power to you this morning. And as we sing this song, even in your seats, reach out to Him and ask Him, Lord, fill me, use me, empower me, give me your boldness. And expect to receive that touch from heaven because Christianity is not just a set of rules and regulations. It's a living encounter with Jesus Christ. He wants to guide you day to day in every affair of life. Amen. And Pastor Chris, too, if you're available, please. Please come up to receive a touch from God or from your seats as we sing. Encounter Jesus. Reach out to him. Seek him. The Bible says, seek him and you shall find. Ask him to fill you with his holy bones. And as we sing, Father, we thank you so much, Lord. We thank you so much for your presence here. Fill us, Lord. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. We believe in your power. We believe in your healing power. With you, all things are possible. And we thank you, Lord. We have the authority in Jesus' name to pray for the sick and see them recover. And thank you for the boldness to endure persecution and the grace. Father, we thank you. Have your way, Father, as we seek you this morning. Let's seek the Lord together.